HBCUs are rooted in faith, community, and service. And of course, Black churches have long been the pillar of the Black community, and the history of life of Black colleges are intertwined with faith, values, and service to others. The rapid change in higher education affects every level of college, including how students engage with every aspect of their college experience. The future and promise of HBCUs depends on the next generation of students. The success of their sustainability and their history lends itself to the robust curricula and the continued influence of an HBCU education. Students are architects of movement. HBCUs cultivate leaders in every field while remaining unapologetically Black for over 150 years. This podcast episode specifically centers the voice of current students. During this time of COVID, they are still empowered and engaged to tell their story of the wonderful experiences they have had. You ready? Let's go. So good afternoon, everyone. We are so excited to have a wonderful panel of leaders, but they're students. And so students still get to lead and their voices matter. So we're gonna hear for some dynamic students around the HBCU diaspora. They come from all over. We got Alabama, we got Texas, we got Maryland, and we got Tennessee. Talk about diversity, diversity, diversity. So we're gonna hear what they have to say. So let's go ahead and get started. Erin, I'm gonna kick it over to you. Hey y'all, I'm Erin Jackson. I'm from Dallas, Texas. Um, I attend the Prairie View A&M University. Um, I'm a sophomore biology major and a chemistry minor. P-E-V, you know. <laughs> All right, well, my name is Tiara Clark. I'm a graduating senior. I'm a joint major in political science and sociology and I attend the illustrious Fisk University. Um, and I'm from Dallas, Texas, but I go to school in Nashville, Tennessee, so. Yeah. Hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Jared Grizzle. I'm originally from Maryland, and I attend the National Treasure, Morgan State University, where I am a junior strategic communication major with a minor in education. Hello, my name is Kayla Trice, and I attend the pride of the swift growing South, the illustrious Tuskegee University. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia, and I am a graduating senior sociology major with minors in philosophy and creative writing. Okay, so y'all, do y'all hear that? That is going, this is our next generation. We have so much power on this call right now. And I just want y'all to recognize that these folks right here, next generation, y'all not ready for them. Y'all are not ready for them. <laughs> and what I loved about each one of your introductions is that thing that connects all of these HBCUs. We all start off with these adjectives, like the great, the wonderful, the illustrious. But what is so amazing about that is that that's just like what you learn day one on the campus. And then you kind of add your vibrato to it, you know, illustrious and dynamic and historic and leader, leader living. And what did you say? The jewel, um, the crown jewel, the pride. And these comments and these, um, these adjectives and these descriptors make our schools distinctive. And so when you walk on the yard, if you're an outsider, all of those adjectives you will feel the minute you walk on the campus of whatever school, like, oh my God, Tuskegee is illustrious. Oh my God, the folks at PV, y'all not ready for them. You know, that energy is just prevailing. And I love that. I have never been the Fisk. I've never been 
to Morgan State. I've spent time at Tuskegee and of course, being from Texas back and forth Prairie View, this energy is just so amazing. So thank y'all for that. So let's go ahead and get started in the questions um, um, while we have you um, together. So first question is this, the history of the HBCU is long and storied. Like y'all been, you know, these schools have been around since like 1837. So um, Aaron, I'm gonna start with you. So speak to us about your choice to attend your HBCU. Like, what was that? Is it, is it legacy? Was it the best program? Was it, you know, what was your HBCU story? Well, growing up, well, my dad was here. I'll start with that. He graduated in 95, cum laude, um, electrical engineering. So growing up, it was PV, PV, PV. Like, and honestly, I'm, I'm not even gonna tell no stories. It was honestly too much. So I honestly, PV was not my first choice at all. But HBCU, it, that was it. That's all I applied to. So, um, so we started looking for schools. I looked at Spelman, Clark. I looked at Fisk. I looked at Tennessee State. Like we, you know, we did a whole little road trip. And it, I loved the dynamic of the HBCU, but I was like, okay, well, where do I fit in that? And so I'm a cheerleader. I cheer here. So after, you know, I applied, I got into my, to my schools, it was time to narrow it down. And I made the cheer team here. And then I'm a bio major. So I looked into that and they have their own, uh, they actually just built a building not that long ago. We call it New Science. And the teachers in there, we have a UMA uh, undergraduate medical academy, which I just applied to. So it just, honestly, it just, it just seemed right. And it's right down the street. Like I'm only three hours from home. So it just, I'm close to home. I cheered, my daddy happy. Like it just seemed right. <laughs> I love that. I mean, the, the future of health is in our hands, but I mean, it's in your hands. So that I love that. And the connection, like you said, you know, being close to home for some people, being close to home does matter. You know, that that's really important to being close to family. I applied to the University of Hawaii. That's how close to home I wanted to be. <laughs> <laughs> so my mom was like, absolutely. She, said she gotta go. We're not doing this. My mother was like, no. <laughs> right. So, all right, Tiara, go for it. Yeah, um, you know, it's funny, I, I you know, in, in high school, you know, senior year, junior year, you start, you know, making your list, crafting your list, and you have this to-do list, like, this is, these are the check marks that I need in order to, like, uh, you know, attend the best university for me, and what's crazy is, you know, I knew nothing about Fisk. I didn't know anything about Fisk until my senior year, and I had already crafted this list. Um, and so I thought, you know, just like just like you, Aaron, I thought Spelman was gonna be the one, and Clark, I, I knew I was gonna be in Atlanta. I just knew I was gonna be a Spelmanite. And um, eventually I realized like, huh, I don't know if Spelman is like the best fit for me. And for me, I really, I knew that I had to get out of Texas. Like I had to explore something different. And I knew that I wanted to major in sociology. I didn't pick up political science until afterwards, but I was thinking, okay, what 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 person has made a, a an impact a profound impact at that on modern day sociology and Du Bois of course like that's our person at Fisk and so when I made that connection I was like okay let's let's do a little bit more digging I never even went to Fisk before I moved in I was just like you know kind of on a whim but things just felt right and so once I got on campus I kind of I like immediately knew I, I met Mr. Fisk at the time gave me a tour. It was just like, people were just congratulating each other, giving you hugs. People who, who like they, you know, the parents who went here, they was like, I lived in your room my freshman year. I'm gonna just give you $20. I said, huh? Like we do that. And so um, it, it was just like a feeling that you had when, when you got on campus and we're just welcoming and, 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 and very warm. And it definitely felt like a family. So I feel like I made the right decision. 
that's one thing about all of us with HBCUs. We all are a family and we can, we're going to talk about that later. If you no matter, I'm sure that um, all of us have had those experiences where somebody was like, oh my God, baby, you go to my school. Oh my God, let me tell you about my experiences. And, and that's just the common thing. I'm, I'm going to ask another common question at the end, but go ahead. All right, Jared, you're up. Oh yeah, thank you. Um, so for me, uh, I was always surrounded by um, HBCUs and I didn't really know about it. Um, you know, my father, of course, he went to Howard in the 80s. My mom took classes at Bowie. I have cousins that went to Spelman, Norfolk. Uh, my sister went to Morgan, of course. But um, for me, I was really just looking for somewhere who taught me the biggest bag, honestly. That's where my, when I was coming out of um, um, high school. So I was applying to all the schools in like Maryland. I got like a, um, a scholarship to like UMD, uh, Towson, blah, 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 Oklahoma, Ohio. I started to, to, touring all these PWIs and I was so uncomfortable. I didn't like the vibe, the energy. It was simply like a place that you spent your four years and you left. But then when I said, all right, well, let me just like look into these HPCs, blah, blah, blah. When you go on the campus, I think like Tiara just mentioned like that, that vibe, the energy of that community that you feel like the moment your, your foot hits the, the campus is, it was, it was amazing. Um, so I, I took all the, the road trips, I took the school tours, I went down to Atlanta and I was convinced, I was telling everybody who would listen, I'm going to Morehouse, going to Morehouse, going to Morehouse, I fell in love. Um, but then I took my tour to Morgan, my sister, like I said, went to Morgan and she was riding me for the longest, I got to give it a chance. And as soon as I came here, the people I met, the, um, the program for communications is really good. I really liked what they had going on and what they wanted to do in the future. And I saw how the alumni, even though they were 30, 40 years removed from the school, we're still here, active, donating, offering mentorship, really being like active in the community. And that's something that really just hooked me immediately. And from there it was, you know, pause up, you know what I mean? What What is your mascot at Morgan? Oh, we are the Bears. Okay, I don't think I knew that. I don't think I knew that. Okay. All right, Miss Trice, you're up. So I actually did not want to go to an HBCU because my dad went to Tuskegee and every chance he got, and my uncle, and they became friends every chance they got. They were like, Tuskegee, Tuskegee, Tuskegee. And when I was four years old, I thought it was amazing. But when I was 16 years old, I was like, okay, I'm done hearing about it. And so I, I really, really wanted to go to UGA because I'm in uh, the 4-H club and 4-H in Georgia is run out of UGA extension. And I was like, yeah, UGA is it. And da, da, da. So here's when I submitted that I actually wanted to go to an HBCU. I went to UGA for this um, program for black um, prospective students to like stay the weekend or like a night or something and they took us all around black UGA okay we went to African night we saw the D9 strolling I said this is amazing I can't wait to come here and do this and then at the end of it they were like like y'all this is not every day this is only this weekend so I was like huh maybe I actually want to be around black people and then I went to Tuskegee with my mother. I left my dad at home. I was like, it's not your school now, it's mine. We went for a, the day like orientation. And what really got me was the band started playing ball and parlay and everybody started singing. And I looked at my mom, I was like, this is where I wanna be. <laughs> and also Tuskegee gave me the biggest bag. So that's where I am. <laughs> It's so funny how, um, you know, all of your stories are interesting, how, how you ended up where, where you are. I did, my, my choice was to go out of rebellion. My mom was like, no schools in Louisiana. I was like, oh, what schools are in Louisiana? So I had that teenage rebellion to, to get there. And my parents were, um, were not really wanting me to go to an HBCU because they grew up at a time where they had to go to an HBCU. And they were like, Jennifer, you don't, you can go anywhere you want to. So you should go 
anywhere but an HBCU. And so I chose for just the opposite reason for that, you know, I wanted to have that experience and that culture because that was that was the thing for me. So um, I love I love all of those stories. Okay, so let's now as we think about these stories, COVID took away some things that historically have been traditions at all of your campuses during the time. So if you think back to like freshman year, everybody remembers like, oh, the seniors did this, or when I get to be a junior, I'm gonna do this, or oh my God, I remember when the Greeks were doing X. So talk to me about two things. You're learning during the pandemic, like how has it been learning? And then what is that one thing that COVID took away socially that you remember, like you would hope that was going to happen because it was going to happen this year and it, and you were not able to do it? Um, well, with learning, uh, I do like how I was, I have to be more disciplined in myself because it's it's one thing to get up, get dressed, you know, leave your house and go to class. Like that's, you know, routine. But when you in bed, you just, all you got to do is log on to the computer. You kind of got to, you know what I'm saying? You got to get yourself up a little more. You have to put more effort into it because it's not, because it's so convenient and it's right there. Um, my number one thing that it took away was homecoming. I'll put that definitely top three thing that it took away from uh, from PV and from all the schools, honestly. Um, I just remember last year before COVID, like campus was popping. Like we have hump day. It's like on Wednesday, it's like a little, like an hour little party in front of our student center, like popping, games popping. I'm a cheerleader. I cheered at one game all year so definitely all the the fun that comes at being here it kind of was you know we'd have made up for it a little bit but it's not the same at all i want to come to that eight hundred thousand dollar stadium that y'all got built that's what i'm it's right to. here i'm so, like i can look at it <laughs> so when COVID opens back up that was one of the that was one of the um homecomings that i was coming to i was coming to prairie view I was going to North Carolina A&T and I was going to Howard. I hear those, t- those homecomings are, you know, if you go, if you're going to be black in America, <laughs> you hello, to- hello, you got to, you got to. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Tiara. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I, I agree. It took, you know, self-discipline was a thing and like self-motivation. So you really have to create your own routine, you know, being in, you know, for us, we, well, I'm on campus, so I, I, you know, I'm not at home. So it was, it was different. Even when you go to get your food in the calf, like it was only to go. And so being in like four walls confined for such a long amount, like a long time, you really get to think like, oh my goodness, think about prisoners. Like think how mentally tough they have to be, you know, because I'm struggling, you know, and um, it, it, it just made, it just made learning, like you said, it was finesse. Like we really had to, oh, you got the homework and that was times 10, you know, and and I think for the, the biggest thing that I, I missed um, because of the pandemic, I'm not even Greek affiliated, but Greek Friday is my Friday, okay? When I see those cues hop, look, you know, that, that was my thing. So it's, it's, it's definitely that, those those Fridays or even fried chicken Wednesdays, like those are the times in the calf on the yard that I really miss dearly. Homecoming too, but those, because it's like a it's like a weekly thing. You don't get to wait just that one week out of the entire year. It's every week something is popping. So, um, so yeah, that's what I miss the most. Mm. Oh my God, fried chicken Fridays and cues hopping. Oh my, I can't even imagine. I cannot. <laughs> Um, yes, I'll add on there. Um, it's definitely difficult uh, learning in front of your computer, for sure. Um, 
both like in class, in person, and then online learning are difficult, but they're different types of difficult. Like I feel that being away from campus or being in your room, your dorm room, logging in, the difficulty comes with like motivation or keeping up that, that energy or after a semester, like you're just mentally, you're drained a lot. So I think that's probably a lot of things that people are, are um, struggling with right now. Like I think uh, Aaron mentioned earlier, it's, getting the grade is not hard for sure. If you, if you know how to finesse right or you know how to do what you need to do or work with people, people in your classroom, but just getting up every single day, doing the same thing over and over with repetition, it's mentally, it's mentally draining. But as for the social side of things that people are missing, I would definitely say here at Morgan, we have, um, I love Morgan Week, which is basically a second smart homecoming in the spring. So last, you know, spring, we, we all went home for spring break. So we come back, we're gonna have this concert, you know, Morgan pays for us to go to Six Flags. They usually have like a couple of years ago, they usually have like a big artist like Cardi B or Megan come in, something like that. Like we were all like amped up for that. And you go home for spring break and they're like, yeah, by the way, you can't come back. So that's kind of, you know, that was definitely wild for sure. I missed that. And of course, like someone mentioned homecoming in the fall and the Greeks and the whole, everything else was just missing, you know, and even being back now with a reduced number, like I'm an RA and I have like four residents and it's like, what am I really doing? So I really, um, that's something that I miss for sure. The procrastination is real. Like on, just you have to get up and get on zoom for maybe 30 minutes 50 minutes and then you got an assignment what am i doing for the rest of the day i have one class every day the procrastination is so real online it's ridiculous so yeah that's uh the hardest thing about um online learning and when we when we first started like when everybody um got kicked out of campus um so they gave us a whole bunch of youtube videos to watch and so I was in class for like the whole day till 8 p.m. I was like, hold on now, this is too much. Too much is going on. But yeah, that was that was the most difficult. And then socially, actually what I miss the most is being able to go to like club meetings in person. Um, I'm only in one club, okay? And so it was really hard for me to not go to this one club. And then when we, when we got kicked out of school, this... Um, it's a, I'm on the I'm the captain of the quiz bowl team and this competition is between HBCUs so we would go to California and a whole bunch of other schools would come to California and we would compete against each other you know we would network we talk we make friends and we can't do that and that was just so sad and then we had the competition virtually but it's not the same you know you can't talk to people you know it's hard to talk through a zoom screen so that's what I really miss the most. I love that you were on the quiz bowl. I was on the Honda quiz bowl too when I was at Dillard. My junior what? year, my senior year, I sure was. Yep. That's awesome. And I and I we always we well my junior year we made it to um, state and so it was a the big event was in um, Baton Rouge. So, um, but yeah, I, I, you know the these and that's the one of the things you know these club entertainment these club things like I would love to hear from Aaron like how do you cheer online. You know, <laughs> how does that work? Um, and then these people who are in choir, how do you practice online? It, you know, how is that experience? Um, and, and any of you guys can chime in for that. Um, ours start like, honestly, with cheer this whole year, it's just been kind it's been everywhere, <laughs> everywhere. So it started off kind of we never really got approved to practice, but it was like, okay, there's supposed to be games. So we're supposed to practice. So it was, it was that trying to, trying to find a middle ground, like what are we supposed to do? So honestly, we, we ended up actually getting in trouble for practicing 
because it was, you know, against CDC guidelines. We didn't get approved, all of that. So that was difficult. Then we finally, you know, got through that part. And then, you know, they moved the season to the spring. So we were able to, um, we practiced a little bit, but it just, it just was not the same. And then we only had one game. So it was like we had all these practices, we were just getting all this material together for one game. And then we were supposed to have more games and then people was testing positive. So it was honestly just a big circle. We was getting to run around all year. It was a mess. <laughs> but we'll be back next year. So just <laughs> stay tuned. <laughs> You know, that's crazy. We had similar experiences at FIS. So I play basketball and, you know, one week they're telling us, oh, you got practice next week. Like, oh, no, you know, we got a few positive cases on campus. You know, everybody have to just stay inside. And it was just so back and forth, back and forth. And then we found out that we didn't even have a season. So we didn't have any games. So it was like, okay, so this was just kind of pointless. And then it was just, I don't know, just very interesting. It was just chaotic. And there was no firm decision because it, it made sense. Things were so uncertain at the time that nobody knew what was going on. So they just tried their best to update us as much as possible. But we all know HBCU, sometimes they aren't the best at communication. And because of that, everybody is just like, what is going on? We also had a change of administration at the time. And it was just like, who do we listen to? Who's in charge? Who's the head of the, of the athletic department? So, um, yeah, yeah, the communication was was crazy at the time. And I, th I think it's getting better now that things are opening up, but, you know, things are still, you know, still not the same. So like y'all seniors, that's going to be a different experience for you anyway, because you leave and go into the, you know, go, in, go off into the world. Y'all sophomores and juniors, you guys have another year to, you know, look forward to, to say what is going to be new, you know, what is going to be, what's out there for us, you know, on, on the yard as we go back and what is the school going to look like? So, um, all right, keeping going. Um, our, my last question is um, about this woke culture. So I, I was interviewing a college president recently and, and the conversation was about how we need to redefine this word woke because it's now undefined. So what do you think um, HBCUs are doing to promote the future and promise of a woke culture? And is that the HBCU's responsibility to teach woke culture? Um, I will say as far as the history teachers that I have had, we all know how history is taught. So the, all the history teachers that I have had have made a, a very I was like very deliberate effort to, to teach history the correct way and teach it the way it really happened, not just in the in favor of, you know what I'm saying, the white man. And so I, I really appreciated that, especially coming from Allen. Um, so everything that I've learned since I was there K through 12. So everything I learned in those 13 years was Columbus founded this, this country. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's what we knew. This is, you know. So getting here, I think that um, being an HBCU in general, it, it makes you it makes you love you. You know what I'm saying? It makes you love being black. You know what I'm saying? I was always the only black, only, 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 only. So finally, I'm here. I'm like, okay, y'all look like me. We can, you know what I'm saying? Like we into the same. Not only do you look like me, but you look like me, and we're into the same things. Like it's not just, you know what I'm saying? You find your 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 people in black people you know what i'm saying and i feel like um you know the more you love yourself the more you want to learn about where you came from and the more you want to the more you're inclined to 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 learn more about your people so i feel like 
um, it's very important. I'm not going to say that it's 100% on the HBCU to, to teach the, the, the Black student that. Um, I think it also comes with experience too. Like being, being woke can, can look like so many different things. And so I feel like, um, you know, being at the HBCU helps, it, it definitely helps in that and it adds to it, but it, it comes with your experience, with how you were raised, with what you believe personally, not just what your, what, you know, your colleagues believe. I love that. I love that. All right, go ahead, Tiara. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, you know, one thing I will say, majority of my classes here at FISC has some sort of Black history tied into it, like it's in the curriculum. And I think that's important, especially because, you know, HBCUs produce a large percentage of Black professionals. And another thing, you know, it's, it's funny because, and I do, I do think it's the HBCU's responsibility to, you know, instill that in us. When you think about it, who's going to teach our history? We shouldn't expect anybody else to teach our history. When you think about it, right, look at an HBCU, how many HBCUs you know, offer foreign African languages. Who offers key Swahili, you know, and they're offering Spanish, French, Chinese, you know, all these different languages, but they aren't offering our language. And I feel like who else is gonna do it? We should take that responsibility. We should be independent, we should be resilient, and we should be able to produce things for us, for us and by us. And so, so yeah, yeah. That's that, that's that old tag FUBU for us by us. Go ahead, Jared. Um, I'm definitely adding on to what, uh, what everyone just said is I think one of the biggest appeals of HBCU is you're going somewhere where you can be unapologetically black 24 seven. Like for me, I know, although I went to a predominantly black high school, it's centered in a predominantly white area. So you go around, type people, you walk around people will like, you know, lock their cars when you drive, when you walk past or just grab their bags, which is the other side. So coming here to Baltimore, which is a whole different vibe, or coming to HBCU where like you can walk around and everybody looks like you, everybody's into the same things that you're into. Everybody has the same goal. Everyone wants to uplift you. It was so refreshing. So I'm not gonna say it's the goal or the responsibility of the, uh, the university to um, to teach you whatever like that. But I think when you're here, it's gonna be something, it's something that's gonna naturally be forced onto you or you're gonna be exposed to it. So you have to just absorb it. I think if anything, the university is supposed to the, com the community of, of the alumni and people who currently go to university or gone to it is supposed to uplift and to build on to it from where it's a, it's a relay. I think that's the term that everyone uses, passing the baton, taking it as, as far as you can and passing it on to the next generation. I think that's what universities, HBCUs are really supposed to grow, do and that's what they do the best, honestly. I love that metaphor of running the race and carrying the baton. You know, there's a, there's, when you pass it forward, who knows how far you're going to run. You have to run your leg of the race because the ones who ran the leg of the race behind us, they're, they, they're done. They pass it to us. So what are we doing to move it forward? Great. I love that analogy. Go ahead, um, Ms. Trice. I think that the knowledge of that we get from being at an HBCU is in a, in, in a, in a sense forced on us, which is a good thing. But I also think that as students, it's our job to ensure that our institutions are teaching us those things. Um, for example, I told you I'm a creative writing minor. I had to take an English class or a few of them. And in one of the classes, I realized that we were only reading dead old white men and two dead black men. And I was like, where are the women? And I realized this, you know, at the end of the semester. So I emailed the teacher and I was like, hey, there's a problem with your syllabus, da 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 da. And he emailed me back with really a lame response. It was like, yeah, I said 
there's no women on this list. And he was like, yeah, but I don't know of any women authors who fit into the theme of the class. So I said, okay, cool, I'll send you some. And I've been emailing him for a year and I thought he was ignoring me, right? <laughs> so I emailed him a few weeks ago and I was like, hey, there's this Jamaican author because I'm Jamaican. And I was like, she talks about this poem. In this poem, she talks about going back to Africa and how that's whack to her. And he was, he emailed me back and he was like, wow, I think it's really interesting. I was like, it's in Potwell, so you may not understand it. And he was like, well, if I, let me read it. He read it. He was like, I want to teach this next semester. If I get asked to teach the class, will you come back and help me teach it? And I was like, sure. <laughs> so I really think it's on us to call out our institutions as well for not giving us that information that we so crave. And not only to, to be woke, because you can be woke and just be like, oh, I know this knowledge now, cool, and just sit on it. But you need to be able to work woke. And I think that's what HBCUs force students to start doing. Um, yeah. I love that. That's a, that's a hashtag, um, able to work woke, because you take what you learn and put that on a platter and then just serve it. I mean, and that's another thing. At HBCUs, you come up with an idea, they're going to give you an opportunity to test and learn it. You know, it's like, okay, bet you want to try this. Okay, cool. And I really think that, although I don't know, I, I'm just speculating, like the pandemic was a great opportunity to reset for everybody. Um, schools, K-12, institutions, organizations, everything, even how Target does its business, resetting everything. And this reset is an opportunity for people to say, oh, well, I haven't thought about it this way, or I haven't thought about it this way, or thinking about things. So I'm, I'm excited to see what, what what students are going to bring to the table and talk about, you know, what what matters and what, what's the most important thing to move our educational place forward. So be ready. You might not just be teaching, the, I mean, teaching the class or informing the class. You might be asked to be student teaching and leading a whole nother initiative. And you might need to start a new literary club. I mean, I mean, that's it. And, and you know, all of our HBCUs have a history. Each one of you talked about the history of this school, the history of that school. And that's just it. All of us, all of these HBCUs were found in the history from Black people and their, their you know, time and enslavement and then this resurgence of we're now free, we want to educate ourselves. Have you guys seen that documentary, Tell Them We Are Rising? Did you all see that? And, and um, that whole history about the, just, just the knowledge, all we wanted to do was just knowledge. That's all we want to do was just learn. And learning empowered us to just live our best lives. We were not trying to be violent. We were not trying to be hateful. We just wanted to learn so we could move and be okay living where we are. And, um, you know, as I hear you all, I'm just so, I'm happy because the, the heartbeat of our next generation with the four of y'all running it, I'm okay. I don't have nothing to worry about. So I can just pass, keep passing these batons and, 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 and watching you guys run from the chair, you know, from the sidelines. So one question before we leave um, and before we end this podcast uh, conversation, and that is, um, what is the future and promise of an HBCU education? I think, one, I think leaving an HBCU and, you know, graduating from one, um, you're guaranteed to have people in your corner. I'll start there. Because I, uh, back home, you know, at my, at the job that I have back home, you know, we, we got to wear masks. So I'm, you know, I'm always over at my PV mask or I'm always going to wrap, you know, something with PV on it. Don't let somebody come in there. I, I won't even know this person, but you see PV on me and automatically you family, you got my back, whatever it is. If, if I need you to, to help me with something, if you got somebody that can help me, listen, I'm down, you ready for, you know, whatever it is, you always 
have somebody in your corner and networking. Like coming out of HBCU was a flex. I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> it's a flex. Um, yeah, and I just think it it instills confidence in you. So outside of the knowledge that you learn and and what and what you get, you know, as far as academics go from HBCU, I think um, leaving it kind of it kind of gives you like a you know, like I can do this. Like I'm, I'm prepared for this because I went here. I'm prepared for this because of PV or, you know, Morgan, Tuskegee, Fisk, all of that So, Yeah, Erin, I agree completely with you. With you. Um, I think it, it, it definitely helped mold my identity. And I think because it helped mold my identity, I will then pass it on to my children and also the mentees that I will hopefully, you know, get as I, you know, go through life. and. Um, I think that in itself is gonna plant seeds in so many different areas that are just gonna blossom and continue to blossom and just touch so many, so many other people. So, you know, in HBCUs, we have a culture, we have a certain culture that will not be erased. We we it will never be erased as long as we keep pouring back into our HBCUs. And um, yeah, I think that's the that's the future and promise. And I feel like as long as we continue to cultivate our HBCUs and and pour into them and invest in them and go back to them and donate. Then I feel like we would we we will continue to to leave our legacy the way we we've, we've been doing it for for so many years. So I would I would definitely one hundred percent agree with everything that was just said. Like that's right on the spot. Uh, when it comes to education, I think that a lot of people outside the HBCU world have this negative connotation that an education at HBCU is lesser or it's not as much or it's not that great, which we all know is foolishness. So I'm not even going to address it. But I think the two biggest things that you get out of coming out of an HBCU is one, your truest um, self, your truest identity. Like when you, the person you walk in to that freshman dorm, your freshman year, and the person that you walk across the stage that senior year is whole different people. Like the lessons I've learned, the conversations I've had at two in the morning, the nights, whatever like that, like growing into like who I'm supposed to be and looking back at who I was, I wouldn't have gotten that experience anywhere else but Morgan. And I think that's something that I will be forever grateful for the people I, I interacted with when I matriculate during my matriculation here. And the second thing I, I would say is a legacy that you will die for. You know, like uh, coming out of an HPC while well, speaking to Morgan, is like I think someone mentioned wearing their mask out in public. I wear any pair outside and someone like, oh you you went to Morgan, blah blah blah. Oh I went there, I'm class of 83 or I'm class of 90 or the, and they're quick to like you know send you a DM on LinkedIn or something like that, offer you an internship or oh I got the scholarship from my company or something like that. So going out there and seeing how much everybody loves their school 40, 60 years removed, you going there, th that resonates with you. That's something that you absorb. So when you leave, you're like, oh wow, all these great people who do all these great things went here, I have to be great too. And I think that's something that you really get at nowhere but in HBCU. HBCUs are the epitome of I'm rooting for everybody black. Okay, you go to an HBCU, just like all y'all said, you wear any type of pair of anything, the colors, they're like, oh my God, you went to Tuskegee, me too. They're so excited for you. And not only the academic side of the education that we take away, like uh, Jared said, the conversations at two o'clock in the morning. Uh, Tiara, you said something about, you know, not the best with communication all the time. I know all of our schools got their own special struggle. We call it the Tuskegee struggle, okay? You can go through anything once you've gone through the Tuskegee struggle. These are the life lessons that you don't even remember learning from your HBCU. And as long as we keep investing in them and investing in the students, we're gonna, I mean, like we're 
already far. We're going to just go even farther. There's no limit to our greatness. Hmm. I love that. HBCUs are for life. Other schools are four years. So um, as we, you know, think about what happens next, I, each one of you guys centers on the same theme is that we have a sense of responsibility because we are students and we have a sense of responsibility to carry on the legacy. And that is instilled in you from day one. That is instilled in you when you walk across the stage. And it's just a sense of responsibility and accountability, not to, you know, just because you're a good student, but just to the fact that you were part of that um, piece of that experience. I mean, so Tuskegee, the puzzle of Tuskegee will always include you. The puzzle of um, Prairie View will always include you. The puzzle of Fitz will always include you. The puzzle of Morgan State will always include you. And this being part of the puzzle means that you have to do your part so that you can fit. And that sense of responsibility is what you carry on no matter what. And I love what Jared said. He's like, I have an internship and I got this and I got this when people see you out. That's just how it is. The minute I meet somebody from Diller, I'm going to be like, what do you need? How can I help? And the same thing, the minute I meet somebody from an HBCU, I start playing the geography game. Well, do you know this person? Do you know this person? Do you know this? That's just how we do. I mean, it is a sense and it is a thing and it is, oh. So um, this is the other question. Do y'all, when y'all, the first thing that all, that all HBCUs do, they teach all their kids is all three verses of the National Negro Anthem. So do y'all know all three verses? Don't act like you don't. <laughs> if everybody can see the screen, everybody screen with Blake. <laughs> we all know verse number one, right? We hung verse number two and we just nod our head doing verse number three. We have we put our fist up. <laughs> Period. We do. And I think that is so funny. Funny. That's one thing we all have in common. No matter where you go to school, you're gonna learn the national Negro anthem and you're gonna have a quiz on it. And then Listen. that's it. <laughs> yes. Well, Definitely. Um, this is the end of our um episode with the next generation, a future generation. The generation that's changing the world, the generation post-COVID, I mean, these girls and guys are up to amazing work, and I cannot wait to see all the great things that they're going to do. So I do round robin, closing words, Aaron, go, whatever you want to say, go. Thank y'all for tuning in. Uh, and I just want to say shout out to, to everybody on this call. We really doing, the, we really doing that thing. Okay, y'all? <laughs> mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Go ahead. Definitely. Thank, thank everybody for watching. Shout out to everybody on this call. I just know greatness is upon all of us. Um, Fisk for life, Fisk forever. Uh, Y'all know I have to throw that in there. <laughs> I'm at all. First, thank you guys for tuning in. I hope you appreciate the gems. And if you are college or freshman high school, junior, freshman, senior, whatever, go to an HPCU and preferably go to Morgan, but you can get that from me. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I just want to say it's always a great day to be a Golden Tiger at Tuskegee University. To you, you know, best HBCU period. That's all I want to say. Tune in next time when we have a new episode, learn about new things. Wow, what a wonderful episode. 
this student voice experience, I tell you, they are the future. They are speaking. I want to thank our panelists, Aaron, Tiara, Jared, and Kayla. I mean, they really got into their experiences. I also want to give a special shout out to all of the HBCUs centered here in this particular conversation and just the work that they are doing to empower and inspire students to continue to lead in spaces and in times of COVID. I also want to give a special acknowledgement to Mr. Jalen Beasley, who curated the tunes that we hear today. And I also want to give a special shout out to Representative Alma Adams for her vision and leadership in creating the bipartisan HBCU caucus. Thank you, Rep. Adams. Tune in for our next episode. Stay safe, everyone. <laughs>